The Vision app is the best place to find a growing range of homegrown, on-demand audio to help you look to God daily. You can listen to Faith and Fostering with Christians chatting about foster care in an Australian context. Plus, be encouraged by Pastor Terry Nightingale's four-minute devotions with new episodes added each week in the free Vision Christian Media app. If you don't already have the app on your smartphone or tablet, download it now from vision.org.au slash app. Vision.org.au slash app. Vision. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, Dave, great to have you in our studio and uh, to be able to talk through this issue. It's very good because, you know what, we can talk about finance uh, with people who are academics. Uh, We can talk about finance with people who are in government or have some level of political leaning. Uh, But to have you in the studio today brings a different dimension because you are the CEO and the founder and executive director of the Paladin Group. Uh, Paladin Group, a successful uh, group of companies. Uh, If you start with uh, perhaps giving us a little bit of idea what Paladin Group does. Okay, so Paladin Group is a diverse group of companies. If we were a listed group, we would be termed a diverse group. So we have interest in coal mining um, financial services, water infrastructure, and IT. We also own health clubs, uh, which we're getting out of. We don't find they're very good for funding the kingdom, discretionary spending. But uh, So we're a diverse group, and we focus on sectors that we think are largely resistant to economic downturn. We set that group up originally deliberately to fund our church. That's exactly why we set it up, and uh, it just grew organically. The Lord grew it. It's now a $300 million group. Interesting people listening into our conversation now coming from all sorts of different backgrounds, different ideas about how things function in the kingdom of God. When I think of the Lord's Prayer, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, that's uh, got lots of dimensions to it. But one of those dimensions is going to be how you financially roll out uh, those things that actually uh, enlarge the kingdom of God. This is something of your heartbeat too. Yeah, exactly. That's why we set up this group. Um, a lot of Christians focus on the gospel of salvation, which is awesome. It's you know That's the great victory. Someone's soul is saved. But essentially that's first base. From there, we need to bring in the gospel of the kingdom into the earth. So that means we're physically changing culture in the earth, doing things God's way. That's what the kingdom of God looks like in the earth. And in the business sector, it's largely missing, even in the Christian business sector. And I, and I lecture to tens of thousands of Christian business people a year and get a lot of feedback. I interview lots of them in my office. They all want to come and talk. How did you do that? How did you build that company, Dave? So when I follow, I pick all the trends from listening to Christian business people, I see that the kingdom of God is not necessarily operational in the Christian business realm. So we focus a lot on trying to change that, bringing the kingdom of God in, getting people to do business God's way. And it's not what you would think it would be. It's a lot of testing and so on to to pass. And once you do start passing, God then seems to apply the favor. And it's out of that favor that we can work in multiples. And the principle of working multiples is so that we can fund the great social dilemmas that we have or change them with spare dollars, basically, dearest capital. I want to talk about this terminology, uh, financial engineer. 
Mm. Um, you know, we're talk, used to talking to advisors and people like that. Uh, but uh, financial engineer, it gives uh, the impression in my mind, uh, the picture comes of someone who's able to bring to the fore uh, something that's almost seemed impossible for it to happen. You've, mm. you've come up with ways to actually make things happen when it didn't look like anything could happen. Uh, what is an, a financial engineer? Okay, so a financial engineer in Australia is a reasonably respected term. Overseas, you're a crook. <laughs> they think you're fiddling the books. <laughs> so I guess the more modern terminology would be a financial architect. But what I do for our group of companies is I design financial instruments whereby we can protect our capital, whereby we can invest and make a very good return. Again, we work in multiples. So um, that takes a lot of structuring and understanding the, the different um, – niches that banks have even though they might all have the same banking charter they'll all do different things and so I sat down and studied all of the banks what they will do and what they won't do and I was able to consolidate that into an ability to design uh, financial instruments so we've we've designed stuff and patented it and, and we've got world leading capital protection instruments and things like that. Dave, let me ask you about what you call your calling, uh, because you know when we're talking uh, Christian life, Christian ministry, and uh, people at all sorts of different places along the journey of their own lives, how do you recognise a calling? And particularly uh, with your own story, you might like to fill us in on your story about how you came to uh, feel this sense of calling uh, to work with businesses to actually establish a, a strong and successful business that actually has this mission to fund the kingdom of God. Okay, so to my mind, calling is quite broad. If we narrow it down to the word assignment or the concept of the word assignment, then you can relate it to, say, Noah. When the Lord said, Noah, I want you to build an ark and, and uh, this is how you're going to do it and so on. Or Moses, I want you to get my people out of there. Or Esther, I want you to go and make supplication, etc. So each and every one of those individuals had certain attributes as to uh, which 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 uh, which is why the Lord chose them to do specific things. So that brings us back to, okay, why were you put here on the earth and why did God make you good at stuff? Why is your DNA such that you are an entrepreneur or you are an excellent teacher or you can sing? These these things are to be used for the kingdom, obviously. That, that there's an obvious uh, correlation there. Add to that your life's experiences, that's your training. So when you look when you look towards your abilities, your giftings, that which you are good at, and, of course, your life's training and not your passions, okay? Gifts and passions are often linked together, but Moses certainly didn't have a passion to get those people out there. Noah didn't have a plan to build an ark, and Esther did not want to go and make supplication. Her life was at risk, so it wasn't her passion. Point being, if you, if you put together your, what you're good at and uh, your life's training, and then the Lord, you get some form of prophetic word or, or dreams or however you might get your instructions from the Lord, that then would be your assignment. Mine came very specifically. I'm thick-skinned. It took a while for me to figure it out, but once I knew that the Lord wanted me to go and, shall we say, counsel the kings, kings being Christian men and women in business loosely, uh, once I knew I had to do that, I engaged in that, and that grew then into the marketplace ministry called Kingdom Investors, which is now spread right around Australia and right around the world. And that ministry is actually activating the kings to fund the kingdom and teaching them how, teaching them how to work in these big, big multiples and so on. So 
that's really my interpretation of what most people might call calling. Let's talk about this calling and this assignment because if you feel that there is a calling on your life, that you have an assignment, that's not a guarantee that you'll be successful. There's, that's just the start of the journey, isn't it? Amen to that. Yeah, certainly, of course it is. We, we've got to engage and we've got to do it God's way. Uh, there's this business of intimacy with the Lord getting really intimate to try and find out what is it that he really specifically wants you to do and then get on with it. The bit about being uh, doing it righteously, that's doing it God's way. This is the thing that a lot of Christians don't take seriously. We don't take sin seriously enough in my mind. I know we're all sinners. That simply means we have a propensity to sin. It doesn't mean we should go and sin. So if we're operating in the marketplace and we want to get the Babylonian system out and bring in the system of, of God, then we need to do it righteously. So we've got to learn how that how that works and how that looks. So just simply doing the assignment isn't enough. We've got to do it God's way and understand what that means. Out there in the big wide world, when you're in business, the ethics are a challenge. You talk about uh, you're in the, the Babylonian business world. Uh, there is a sense, isn't there, that when you're a Christian business person and you recognize there is a higher calling, uh, that your ethical values need to be high values, kingdom level values, righteous level values, mm-hmm. uh, that it's actually hard work. Do you think that scares off some very talented people from actually engaging in what might for some, uh, in whatever industry, could be a fairly dirty business. Yes, it, it does scare off people. Uh, but even in virtually every business that, you know, we, we've bought a lot of businesses. We're an acquisitions group. We find a lot of unrighteousness in there, even even purchasing Christian business uh, businesses and so on. And uh, I'll give you a quick example. The one, our very first acquisition was a $2.5 million health club down in Canberra. Um, we sent one of our directors, he relocated to go and run the health club. Um, We did a full due diligence professionally through the accountants, cost the earth, and then about three months later uh, into the the, um, operation of the health club, we found that we had about one-third of our members that were illegally held in the club, and they they had left the club years ago, and yet they were still paying the monthly or the or the fortnightly direct debit. Now, this is a women's health club. It's the five-star club of the country, and it's an expensive club. Now, these ladies had left, and in the ACT, you by law, you cannot roll over a membership. You must renew it. And obviously, these previous vendors where we bought the club from hadn't renewed it. My director found this out and phoned me and said, guess what, Dave, we've got free members, and, uh, you know, we don't have to service them, and this is where all the profit's coming from. And I said, mate, guess what? We have to let them go. So we argued about it for a while, and eventually we decided we will let them go. We will email all of them and say, sorry, you've been charged. You, you, you sort it out with the vendor, but we are letting you go. So we stopped charging them, and we immediately went into running at a loss. Okay, so here we are, $2.5 million acquisition. We've raised a lot of company, a lot of money from investors, and we had to do what was right. Uh, we had to do it God's way. Soon after that, we found that the, we, we were actually ripping off the franchisor. We were not paying the correct um, uh, royalties, et cetera, et cetera. So we phoned the franchisor and said, can you come and give us a financial audit? And they did. They came and gave us an audit, and they picked themselves up off the floor and said, no one ever asks for this. We always do it. You know, We spring it on you. Anyway, at the end of the day, we said, we think we owe you money. We owed them tens of thousands, and we're already running a loss, but we still had to do it God's way. Ultimately, we paid it all off. And now then we, we refurbished that club and it's now an awesome, 
fantastic club and running swimmingly and the rest of Paladin runs well because we passed those tests of righteousness in there. As you say, you've acquired a lot of companies over the years. Let me just take you back to early days because perhaps it's early days where some of our listeners tuned into our conversation today may be thinking of where they're at. Did you anticipate in those early days that one day you would be in control of tens of millions of dollars in assets and uh, and uh, those sorts of resources under your control? Or did you set out to uh, to be a moderately successful community business person? Okay, so neither. <clears throat> we certainly didn't anticipate running a $300 million group, which incidentally is heading towards a $1 billion group next year because we've got two major contracts that we should get. Um, and we didn't look to be a moderate one either. Literally, I was given a, a prophetic vision by an elder in the church who said to me, I, I, the, I had a vision last night that this couple came out from Africa and they stood with a certain pastor by name and they built this church. And that pastor was down in Caloundra. And eventually, I didn't want to leave where we were up on the Atherton Tablelands. I was funding the church up there and so on. And I was on the board and I could see what was coming in. And I thought, if we leave, this church is going to be struggling. So I didn't want to leave and I didn't. And I eventually was stood down by the Lord, really, because it took me two years to get my act together. And eventually, when we our business declined to the extent we had nothing left, we limped down from the Atherton Tablelands two years later to go and join this church that I should have joined two years earlier. I had nothing. I was in my late 40s. This was 2001. Um, we had $76,000 worth of credit card debt, literally. That's Those were our only assets, and I was working as a builder's laborer for about $5 an hour. I was taking home $5 an hour, kids in school and so on. Really absolutely broke. But when I got there, uh, another prophetic word from a passing minister came and said, this finance is written all over you, and you will write six-figure checks for this church in the near future. So $100,000 checks with no assets, no money, no income. How do we start? And literally from there, I focused on that assignment and and uh, I went and joined a particular mortgage broker. I had to borrow clothes to get in. I actually borrowed the pastor's clothes to get in uh, to get the interview. I actually got the job and that's when I learned all the banks. So from $5 an hour, I was now understanding how banking worked and I was able to go and place $50 on a house and land package. It was a rising market in 2001, another 50 on another house and land package. I knew which bank would give me a loan on that with no financials. I know what I knew that they would give me a loan based on the risen value, not the contract value, et cetera, et cetera. And we made $200,000 out of those that first 100 bucks. And then from there, we grew into really getting bigger and bigger until we'd funded the church. And then it was a case of the Lord showed us we had to fund some other strategic ministries and we then grew into that assignment. And then eventually when we had to start counseling the kings, we needed to have a much bigger business to get their attention, to get the influence. And so that's why we built it. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest this hour, Dave Hodgson, CEO, founder and executive director of the Paladin Group of Companies. You can be a part of our conversation. We are talking about funding the kingdom of God. We're talking money this hour, financial culture amongst business people. And you can be a part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. Dave, let's take some calls. Let's hear from Glenn in northern New South Wales. Hello, Glenn. Welcome along to 2020. How are you, Neil? Very well, Glenn. What are your thoughts on our discussion this hour, or do you have a question for our guest, Dave? Uh, a question. Uh, I just finished reading The Harbinger, and 
with regards to the uh, way it put uh, forward um, the collapse in 2008 and the issues that are arising uh, later in the year, particularly at the, the fourth of the uh, red blood moons. How does Dave sort of see that uh, in the light of uh, the financial aspects of what has occurred in 2008 with the crash of the market there? Okay, you're talking about Bible prophecy and what sort of uh, role there might be in the way that finance is working around the world at this time. Dave, your thoughts? Glenn, uh, I haven't read the uh, Harbinger, but um, I obviously pay attention to macroeconomics and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of uh, the Jubilee cycle, we should all trade within that cycle. We obviously don't, and therefore if there's going to be an economic downturn or a correction regardless of how we trade. It always happens because we will, uh, under the spirit of mammon, we will always borrow too much and we will always lend too much. And at some point in time, that becomes the debt becomes unsustainable and you have an economic correction. Now, in 2008, that's exactly what happened. And, it, and if you look uh, historically, you'll find it, it has happened regularly throughout history, around about 70 to 80-year intervals because we don't do it in, as systemized. Now, in 2008, the debt was fixed with more debt, and it's the first time it's ever been fixed with more debt. Okay, so obviously the problem was compounded and ultimately it's going to take a dive at some point. Uh, I was at the European Economic Summit in Amsterdam last year and there were seven economists there. And for the first time, I'm at a lot of these conferences talking and so on. And for the first time ever, I heard economists agree and they said that there would be an unprecedented downturn in the EU economy within three years. And, And the discussion wasn't how will we avoid it? It was how will we deal with it? So... In my mind, there will be a downturn, but we as Christians need to be cashed up and ready and prepared because if there is going to be a transformation of wealth, it needs to be through an economic downturn rather than a war and so on. Glenn from Northern New South Wales, thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. Uh, interesting thing, uh, before we take any more calls, Dave, uh, the idea of uh, of fear and business uh, based on global conditions and uh, financial downturns, uh, threats of financial markets collapsing. Uh, is this something that uh, that ought to be ruling the Christian business person? Uh, certainly not ruling, but um, you know we need to get the fear out of it. And my whole philosophy is we get rid of the greed, the fear, and the corruption, which is the Babylonian economy. So get that out of our capital markets. But we should look forward to economic downturn. Uh, it's the way that we are going to actually prosper ourselves, and we're going to help others to prosper. And we and everybody uh, typically starts to pay attention to the economic downturn. It gives us an opportunity to actually show people how we should do business, to show people the gleaning principle in business and all these other aspects that have long been lost and uh, to oust the greed out of the marketplace. That's why an economic downturn is very good for Christianity. You can be a part of it. It's Neil with you. It's the Wednesday edition of 2020. We're talking about financial culture this hour. Dave Hodgson, our special guest, CEO, founder and executive director of the Paladin Group. He's a financial engineer. Your opportunity to talk to someone this hour. You might have a question. You might have a comment. Uh, We're talking about how we fund the kingdom of God. 
Uh, you might have your input. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to be a part of our conversation. Before we take uh, the next caller, uh, Dave, let me ask you about uh, the kingdom of God. Uh, Christianity is a strategy required. Will it all just happen by itself if no one cares? Uh, what's What are your thoughts on strategic uh, Christian uh, finance uh, culture. Okay, good question. Uh, so I look at it all from the business perspective and uh, and a marketplace perspective. So even if you're not in business, this perspective applies from the marketplace as opposed from the vocational church perspective. And we, you'd probably all know that there are about 38,000 uh, registered Christian denominations all out of the same Bible and no one agreeing on anything in doctrine, in terms of doctrine. However, if we in the marketplace find a common cause, we can bypass all the doctrine. And the cause that the Lord has always wanted right from the beginning, right from the Garden of Eden, is he's wanted what we call a sheep nation. That's a nation of sheep, which is the Matthew 25 concept. Now, I know that's an end-time eschatology applying only to the Jews, but that same concept applies all the way throughout the Bible. You can have a look at Isaiah 58, and you'll see the Lord saying, don't tear your clothes, don't do this. I want you to fix the orphans, fix the poor, fix the widows, uh, deal with the strangers. And and now you can extrapolate that into our modern era, and you'll find the strangers are the refugees, millions of them around the world, homeless. And and the widows, are these days our widows are well looked after, but there are little girls, sex slaves, and so on and so on. So... We need, as, as, a, as a Christian movement, we need to address these issues. And they don't just stop there. It's poverty, unemployment, homelessness, sex slavery, starvation, suicide, drug addiction, feudalism, refugees, you name it, domestic violence, racism, war, and these days the radicalization, and of course the unfunded liabilities that will destroy our society, even in Australia. They're destroying Europe at the moment. We're next. So if we unite under this cause then we can form a strategy to fix the issues. And it's already being done. There's massive momentum around the nation. Wherever we lecture, you find Christians, we'll find 30 different denominations all in one forum, all discussing how we will address these issues and provide solutions and bring the kingdom of God into the earth through this means. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join into our conversation today. Dave Hodgson, our guest. Let's hear from Roger in Kingaroy. Hello, Roger. Welcome along. Yes, hello. Roger, what are your thoughts on what we're talking about today? Yes, I really um, agree that um, Christian businessmen should be funding the the kingdom of God, that's for sure, and uh, I uh, have sought to do that. Um, yeah, I think it's a very good point. Uh, what sort of things have you been into to try and fund the kingdom of God, Roger? Uh, well, I just... I suppose I only support the local church. Um, is really I have uh, I am in the building trade and have uh, been involved in mobile mission maintenance uh, from time to time, uh, doing various projects for the community. And that uh, yeah, that's sort of is my. Uh, areas of ministry. Roger, let's hear from Dave. Uh, A lot of people just like Roger who are funding their local church. An important starting point, Dave. Yeah, it certainly is. 
um, there is a fundamental relationship, a symbiotic relationship between, let's call it the kings and the priests, but it's just people in the marketplace and the uh, and the leadership of the church. So I spend a lot of time in the SAS, uh, in the Special Forces, in the Rhodesian SAS, and I also spend a lot of time in a, in a Special Forces unit called the Salu Scouts. And these, you know, we fought wars for 10 years. Now, I would not dare go into the marketplace without the covering, the, the spiritual covering of my local church. So it's really important to me that my spiritual covering is strong. So I will fund my church. I, I, I don't just want to tithe. I want to know what is the vision of my church, and I want to make sure the vision is funded. And in return, I get the covering from the pastor and the, and the intercessors and so on and the accountability line. So... I encourage all all people to con- reconsider their association with their church. Um, you know, singers are always glad to sing for the church. They use their gifting to sing for the church and so on. But you very rarely find business people using their entrepreneurial skills to actually fund the church deliberately and in return to get a covering. There is this there's this unbreakable relationship that needs to be built between kings and priests. Roger in Kingaroy, thanks so much for your input today on 2020. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to be a part of this conversation, let's hear from Daniel in Cairns in North Queensland. Hello, Daniel. Welcome along to 2020. Thanks very much. Daniel, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, um, I really appreciate uh, Dave's input on uh, Christian financing the kingdom and... Um, yeah, very much an advocate for that. Um, I, as my family, have actually spent uh, a number of years uh, or a couple of years uh, travelling around. We um, looked into um, doing missions work overseas ourselves as well. We have a number of missionary friends, and um, we like to support them in greater capacity as well as the local church. Um, and uh, I'm also aware that um, particularly funding towards reaching unreached people groups, people who've never heard the gospel before. Uh, the amount of giving uh, that goes towards those areas, I think, is well under less than maybe 0.1 or 0.2 of a percent of all giving. Um, so I see that there's a, a great opportunity for us to be able to sow into those places. And I guess um, one question that I have um, specifically for Dave is, uh, on returning, we sort of sold everything before travelling. Coming back, I've just started up my own business. Um, and um, looking at... Um, uh, creating some investments and assets to generate um, passive income that can be used um, to finance the, the kingdom. One of the challenges that I have is um, running my own business and only just starting up. It's very difficult to get a loan to um, purchase any assets. And I was keen to hear of uh, Dave's advice on how you can start with uh, without much uh, finances and on um, yeah, perhaps um, being able to, to um, generate uh, some assets and uh, purchasing investment. Okay, Danny, the, there's a uh, there's a lot in that, but let's just go past the loan bit first and, and consider creating revenue instead of uh, debt. Um, a lot of people say there's there's a lot of issues with debt. I mean, I use debt a lot, but there's debt and there's debt. Okay, but let's go back to revenue. Um, it's it's not that hard to make money with no outlay these days. I'll just give you a quick example. Uh, a, a relative of mine wanted to. Uh, he's actually a renderer. Okay, uh, and I, it's actually my son. And I said to him, "Look, one day your body's going to break down. We need to." Uh, consider using your head as well to make a quid. So eventually I had offices in China, so he came along, went to the Canton Fair and wandered around for three days just collecting pamphlets. When he came home, him and his wife got together and they, they went through all the pamphlets and decided let's import fiberglass ladders. 
Okay, so they just they chose well. Not much goes wrong with fiberglass ladders, and so they wanted now to import them, and they had no money to actually get the first container. So I said to them, why don't you just put the pamphlet on eBay, you pre-sell them, you get a 30% deposit, you have 60-day delivery, and you, and because the markup is so substantial, you can pay for it with the deposit. And they did that. And nowadays, those um, there's the whole of their backyard is a shed, their garage is just full of ladders, there's containers coming day after day, and they make more out of that than they do out of rendering. So they started with, with zero outlay and just an idea, and I could name a 100 of those. Daniel in Cairns, uh, like to talk some more, but thank you so much for your input. Uh, quite a few calls we'll get through here. Let's hear from Julie in Queensland. Hello, Julie. Welcome along. Hello. Julie, what are your thoughts? Um, look, I was just wondering what advice Dave would have for for me, and no doubt that there are others in similar situations. I'm on a disability pension. I have no health to do anything I have been ill for 33 years, so I haven't learned how to use a computer and all that sort of stuff. I um, I have a lot of good ideas for products that I think could be marketed, but I have no connections to help me do anything about it. I actually very much need to make money um, for practical reasons just to get by myself. Um, I have an illness that makes me very hypersensitive to the world that we live in. It makes it very difficult to have any um, friendships or relationships. I can't attend church. I am a Christian. But um, for many years I have wanted to do a charity foundation that would reach out and support financially and practically and sensibly people with this illness and families who have children with this illness. And there are many of us and we have all lost the support of our families, our friends, our church, our neighbours. Julie, you're in a difficult situation. Let's hear from Dave. Uh, uh, yeah, I just yeah. How can I do something to help other people like me? Julie, well? I just think that um, you know, hopefully, there are entrepreneurial listeners out there that can get alongside you and and you see this business of assignment. Um, the Lord has assignments for everybody and it is somebody's assignment to get alongside you and uh, the other uh, uh, people with the same condition and uh, generate funds to uh, to relieve you guys. So um, I'm just praying that somebody listening, I think this goes to quite a, a few cities around the country, so hopefully somebody would uh, get in touch with you and be of assistance there. Julie, I'll put you on hold. We'll get your details in case there is someone who's listening in who just knows your situation and might be able to get alongside. Uh, you can call us 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Jonathan in Perth. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome along to 2020. Yeah, thank you. Jonathan, what are your thoughts? Yes, well, I want to make a comment on what I've been explained. You know, if you want to make a business, you have to do it in God's way. That is, biblically, God said in the book of Deuteronomy that we should be faithful to him first because he has entrusted everything, including ourselves, the cattle, the cross, everything, the tree, you know it. God created them and he uh, gave it to us. So if you want to make business, start with God's principle. But if you want to make business, you want to do it on your own, then you will be a failure. Because I listened to one of the speakers the, the the person who is invited, he measured this one. 
So that I say, if you want to do God, business, doing God's way. Hey, God talk about the same thing too. America makes all it too. So in my view, if we want to do business, let us do it in God's way. If we get the 10% that belong to God, then God will bless our business. But I find a lot of businesses today going on. They are robbing God, even including those who they are making, they are, they are customers. They are not faithful to them. Yeah. So if we are not faithful to God, our business will go down. You That's... see, the economy going down today is one of the reasons. Jonathan, let's hear, let's hear Dave's thoughts. I agree with you, Jonathan. The, um, that's why I said earlier on we need to do business God's way. We need to do it righteously. We need to understand the gleaning principle. We need to make sure that every party to a deal prospers. No one should be pillaged in any deal. We need to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. We shouldn't be making poor people every time we trade. So I agree with you 100%. We should do it God's way. Jonathan in Perth, thank you so much for being part of 2020 Today. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. It's not every day you have the opportunity to chat with someone who heads up an organization, a $300 million organization, as we have today, Dave Hodgson, a CEO, founder and executive director of the Paladin Group. We're talking about the kingdom financial culture today. Uh, Dave, before we take another call, uh, let me ask you about uh, your favorite and perhaps the scripture uh, content that really drives your passion. Because when we connect our Christian faith uh, with our business enterprise, uh, what is it that's so important that, that needs to drive Christian business people? Okay, excellent. So that, that comes back to the concept of the sheep nation. If we consider Luke chapter 19, um, you get this business whereby Jesus is trying to get Zacchaeus uh, saved, if you like. And here we have Zacchaeus, who is actually a senior tax collector. He has pillaged those cities for years. And if you understand the biblical history and the biblical archaeology, he is a figure that is a historical figure that actually lived. Okay, And he had wrecked those cities. So there were there were a lot of very poor people. And this is what the Lord hates. So here we have Jesus getting Zacchaeus saved, and Zacchaeus gets so saved, he says, oh my word, look what I've done. And incidentally, Zacchaeus means um, pure. So the guy wasn't all that pure. But all of a sudden, here he is thinking, oh, what have I done? And he pledges to pay back 400%. This is the concept of working in multiples. Even the crooks have got to work to learn to work in multiples. He's now going to pay, imagine the tax man saying, I'm going to pay you back 400% of everything I've taken from you over the last 10 years. So he said that, and then he said, I'm also going to uh, give up half of my income. He's not tithing, and his income is vast. I'm going to put half of my income back into the community. So the people are so astonished with this, they think the kingdom of God is coming, and that's when Jesus pulls them up and says, hang on, let me just explain this a bit better, and he tells them a parable. So Zacchaeus is a true story, now he gives them the parable of the minas. And this is really important, because I'm telling you this from a marketplace perspective, not from the church perspective. So here we have a ruler who says to three slaves, literal slaves, they were proper slaves, and he says, here's some money, here's, a, here's some seed capital, I want you to go and trade it. The word trade, diapragmatomai, is a Greek word, it's a technical word for trading in foreign currency. Only way they could do that was to go to the temple and trade in Tyrian coins. So they did that. Away goes the king, it's a, it's a, the ruler, it's a six-month turnaround, and he comes back again. He went to Rome to get coronated. By the time he gets back, here's these slaves. One of them has made a 1,000% in six months. The other one has made 500% in six months. And so he says to them, well done, you guys. 
go and be over 15 cities. The word over, exousia, it's the same. It's a superhuman token of control. It means go and fix these cities, Jericho and all the others that Zacchaeus has pillaged. Now, why would he do that? It's because these guys, A, were obedient to the assignment. You all know what happened to the one who wasn't obedient. So they did the assignment. B, they did it righteously, but we overlook, they actually brought the money back. They brought back a 1,000%. These were slaves. They could have run away. There's no way they could have found them, or they could have brought back half. So they did that. Um, They brought it back, and, of course, they learned to work in multiples, and it's the working in the multiples that will fix these huge social issues, and that's the background of those scriptures. The talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Our guest is Dave Hodgson from the Paladin Group. Let's take another call. This is Kay in Queensland. Hello, Kay. Welcome along to 2020. Hello. Hi, Kay. Where are you calling from? Um, Cairns. From Cairns. Kay, what are your thoughts? Uh, I was just um, wanting to get some insight or as to whether there was any caution um, in relation to... Uh, multi-level marketing and um, just listening to people who apply a lot of biblical principles um, in building multi-level marketing and as to whether that's a prosperity doctrine or whether, you know, I just, I guess I'm trying to determine whether that's an industry that's worth investing into as a Christian. Sure. Okay, Kay, it's... In my opinion, uh, multi-level marketing is uh, good because you can get in for next to nothing on most occasions. It's really, really important that you make sure that you look after your downline because usually the ones who are successful are the entrepreneurial people. I've done it in a different life. I was ultra successful, but the people below me weren't, and they looked at me as if I'd fleeced them. And so I learned from that that we need to look after everybody in every deal. So if you're going to sign people up into a downline, you've really got to nurture them and look after them, and that's God's way. So in principle, I don't think it's some kind of uh, um, ungodly thing. Uh, There's some really good ones around, and I think as long as it benefits people and it's not some pyramid scheme, then it's fine. Kay from Cairns, thanks so much for being part of 2020 today. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to be a part of our conversation. Dave, let me take you back to something we were talking about just a short while back. And uh, we're talking about Christian business people uh, in the local church. Let me ask you your perspectives on whether the leaders of local churches recognize the resource that they have. There seems to be this idea that uh, if there are business people in church and if they're doing well, uh, it's like a cash cow. It helps to fund uh, you know, some of those things in the church and and that can be a positive thing. But, but the pastor's relationship with the business people in the church, mm. how do you nurture that? How do you make that rock solid so that it benefits everyone? Yeah, good good question. You know, uh, I lecture to tens of thousands of business people every year, and I reckon 60% of them have left church. They're still strong Christians. They're still out there trying to fund the kingdom. They're operating uh, without a covering, and I think it's very dangerous, as I said earlier. Now, I try to get them back into a local church, and I try to get them to, because I know the reason they've left. They don't think the church model's a good model from a business perspective. Yeah, we're going to take the city, and no one ever takes a city, and the money seems to go down a big hole. That isn't really the the, the, the concern of the business people. Unless the church is funding a brothel, there's, we shouldn't even be bothered what they're doing with the money. So it's up to the church, and it's bored to see what they do with the money. So that then brings us back to the relationship now between the, the, the business people and the pastor. 
if you can establish with your pastor, if you can be proud to be the ATM, I, I'm so chuffed to be an ATM for my church. I want my church to prosper. I love my local church, and I want it to prosper, and I want a strong covering from my church. My pastor knows that. A lot of pastors come to the, the marketplace ministry that we have, kingdom investors, and we honor them all the time, and we try to show them the relationship between the kings and the priests from the king's perspective because they already know it from their own perspective. Once the business people understand that they can just sit in the audience of pastor, they need to be the lowest maintenance Christian in the whole church and so on and really just get on with their assignments, their relationship really welds and gels together very well. 1-800-316-316 still time to get your question or your thoughts on this kingdom culture when we're talking finance let's hear from Belinda in Hobart in Tasmania hello Belinda welcome along to 2020 hello thanks very much Belinda what are your thoughts oh well I've just been just tuned in and I thought it was amazing I was really glad that Dave gave that story about his son because I have a son in a similar uh, work situation and I'm really worried about his health and uh, his physical health and his financial <laughs> financially as well and I just thought it was great how he was able to give that um, financial information or some tips to his son to start a small business but for someone like uh, me or my kids that don't have any you know no knowledge of of how to start businesses is there any information that like a website I could go to and read up on or is there any books that would be good for me to read up on or where do I find my tips or information for me to be able to start something like that? Uh, Belinda, let's hear from Dave. Um, Belinda, I've, I'm probably going to let you down a bit here because I haven't really read anything on it. Uh, on, uh, I'm just a natural entrepreneur. That's my gifting. Um, I know some really good business coaches um, uh, I'm sure if you just Google it yourself, you're going to come up with all sorts of uh, business courses and so on. I think one of my daughters has just done a, 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 a um, diploma in business management, but I honestly don't know which ones to look at because I've never ever, I'm just a natural entrepreneur, so I, I need people around me that know about business. <laughs> Belinda, thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. Let's just uh, just, just uh, talk this through a little more here, Dave, uh, because uh, there is a sense some people will say, what do I need to do? Do I need to go to a business seminar on a weekend or, you know, it's happening on a weekday? Or do I need to go to do that diploma? Do I need to study at TAFE? Uh, do I need to go and do a university degree? It's like, you know, how there's all, someone's running a business that actually is actually uh, recruiting people to do those studies yeah. uh, so when you've got this when you say natural entrepreneur uh, I guess that comes with a lot of life experience too uh, how do you recognize what you need to do to get that next step going okay so we need to know our what we're good at uh, first up so if, if you if you're great at let's just go for singing it's a classic one if you're great at singing and you're not very good at business and, and you know that and singing is your big thing then you wouldn't necessarily be trying to get into business uh, back to our core topic to fund the kingdom or whatever it might be. Um, but if you do know that you have a propensity towards this and that is your gifting, then you, you pretty much are obligated to do it as far as the, king, the gospel of the kingdom is concerned. And you certainly should be uh, teaching yourself and equipping yourself to do it. Um, 
going to conventional business schools and so on is one thing, but I just want to caution people, don't go there and get the Babylonian spirit. You know, we do need to know, we've got to get past this dumbing down where, where everything is, if it's too good to be true, then it must be. You know, they didn't say that when Jesus pulled out a few loaves, fed 5,000 people and gave back 1,200% to the kid, you know, that wasn't too good to be true. We've got to learn to work the kingdom way and do business the kingdom way. So certainly educate yourselves, find out the best way to do that. But if you get time, attend a Kingdom Investors uh, chapter that might be in your area. We're all over the nation. It's always free. It's not an investment club. We pay for everything. We just want to teach people God's way of doing business and show how it actually works, talking from testimony. Time for one more call. Wendy is in Queensland. Hello, Wendy. We'll need to be quick, but what are your thoughts? Um, I'm just kind of thinking about um, finances like the Lord says, um, you know, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. And then there's things in the Old Testament like the widow that Elijah came to and God said, what's, he said, what's in your house? What is in your hand? So sometimes even when we have nothing, like she took the pots of oil and the oil that didn't run out, that was a miraculous provision for someone that had nothing much, really. And I think with Elijah and the widow as well, the wheat, she gave everything she had. You know, like, it wasn't this huge... Wendy, I'll have to cut you short there, but Dave, uh, some thoughts on what Wendy's sharing, using what's in your hand. Okay, so uh, we didn't quite get to a question there, Wendy, but basically, I mean, we've got to pay tax, and that is actually a good thing because that is a compulsory way of fixing uh, or helping the poor people. So I have no objection to paying tax, get, you know, render unto Caesar if you want to call it that. Uh, in terms of using just what you've got, remember I started with negative $76,000. I don't know if you heard the earlier of the show, but I started with nothing, and we've the Lord has built a $300 million business, so you can actually always start with nothing. Wendy, thanks so much for your comment and uh, not too much time left. A very quick uh, response from you, Dave, because I note that in every business deal, you'd like to see a win-win. There's a concept in which uh, people think, well, if I'm winning, someone else must be losing. Mm. Win-win's important. Yeah, 100%. And there's always a spirit, there's always a logic in the marketplace. I know God moves in mysterious ways, but in the marketplace, one and one makes two, and the Lord knows that. He, he built the marketplace. So if you create a, a, a trade or a transaction where everybody prospers, so you're not working on greed, you're not trying to just fleece every dollar out of the deal. If you, if everybody prospers, you create people of means, and they will come back and trade with you again. And that's the logic behind it. It's God's way and it works. We have been talking about a kingdom culture in finance. And uh, what a pleasure to be able to hear the heartbeat of Dave Hodgson, the CEO, founder and executive director of the Paladin Group. And uh, you can Google Paladin Group to find out some more details. Uh, But there's not a a resource like we might normally talk about here. But Dave, let me just uh, say thank you so much for being with us today here on 2020. It's a great pleasure. Bless you. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.